All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the continuation of the second in our series of our Facilities Management Coffee Talks. Our listeners are constantly requesting to hear from industry experts on very specific industry trends and best practices. Today, our focus is on SLAs, service level agreements, and how to ensure contractors are meeting those service level agreements. We've asked back Jim Peterson, one of the original founders of the Accruent Verisa CMMS software platform and an 18-year veteran in the facilities management space. Thanks for joining us again, Jim. Trey, my pleasure. Always enjoy these. All right. Maybe today you might be enjoying a different brand of coffee, but I hope you have some coffee for the conversation. Uh, I, I believe it's uh, the, the little Keurig pack was said Kona coffee on it today. <laughs> All right. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, Jim, our listeners are really interested in SLAs, and this was an inquiry that came in, but service level agreements can mean many things to many people. Again, knowing that our listeners could be in the, the big box retail space, grocers, convenience store operators, how would you define service level agreements in the world of a facilities management software or computerized maintenance management software package? Yeah, that's actually an uh, uh, interesting question. So I, historically, SLAs were, were very specific. They were, you know, either a show-up time or a fixed time. Um, and, you know, when, when contracts were held in, in file cabinets, uh, it was a number on a piece of paper. Uh, and, and, you know, honestly, uh, um, I think people struggled to manage those SLAs. In, in today's world, where I think, you know, people are all connected to the same CMMS, people meaning, you know, the central maintenance group, as well as perhaps the, the facility and, and the contractor all on the same system. You know, in my opinion, um, SLAs, well, I have one of two opinions, Trey. Either it's not all about SLAs or SLAs encapsulate more. And, you know, what I mean by that is it's, uh, you know, there's so much uh, more than just when you show up. Uh, to having a good relationship, uh, you know, with your vendor and your service provider and with providing a good service to your facilities. So that makes sense. Um, I think probably most of our listeners as operators think service level as far as delivering the service. But what I heard you say is you also look at service levels as far as response time and accepting a work order. How do you do that? I mean, if we have something urgent and we need to know ASAP within 30 minutes, within an hour, how do we know that a contractor can do that work? Okay, so yeah, so um, in the system we do have, um, as far as a, a, a third SLA, which is, as you say, is a, an accept time. And, you know, I've seen um, some very aggressive ones for more urgent types of equipment. Refrigeration is one, for example, where, you know, response is, is urgent. And, and the way the system does it is, you know, uh, from a time a work order is dispatched, um, a vendor gets to choose how they're contacted. That can be a phone call, that can be an email, SMS. Um, but from the time it's dispatched, they need to acknowledge they're going to do the work. In, in their accept uh, SLA. And if they don't, we've got a couple of different uh, routing mechanisms that we can do. We can, we can alert somebody at the, at the retailer, you know, at the headquarters location. Uh, we can actually just go to the secondary provider. Um, and of course, the system is noting that they, they missed their accept SLA. But, but absolutely, um, uh, vendors are required, um, you know, to, to acknowledge and accept the work. And I think, 
um, you know, they, they always have been. I think it's just been a, a struggle to keep track of all the various emails and phone calls and much easier to track when you've got a, a computerized maintenance management system uh, to do it for you. So that's helpful because the concepts I think we're diving into go as far as even how do we establish those. So right. if I think that somebody needs to respond within 30 minutes, uh, do you know best practices based on your clients? I mean, how would you advise some of our listeners to make some of those decisions and put some of these best practices in place? You know, honestly, I think it's a conversation, both with us and, and the customer, but also with the service provider. Um, it's a conversation, and, you know, it is what it is. And especially, again, when we're talking about perishables, um, there, you know, it's just math. <laughs> you know, if a, if a case is down, uh, you've got to, you know, show up by this time, so therefore you've got to accept by this time. And some of it, I think, you know, again, is is already happening. It's just not being tracked and um, reported and, you know, KPIs aren't set up around them, uh, uh, hadn't been, rather, they are now. They're starting to be, I think, our best practice customers. So, but, you know, back to your question, um, we certainly have averages for all of those values across our customer base. And so, um, especially our deployment teams have a point of view on, on what those values might be as far as accept, show up, and fixed times. So that's good, and that answers a question that I had. Moving on to, I think, one of the original uh, requests here tied to what what SLAs could be represented in a system. Some of our clients are struggling with contractors billing for time, not on site. The rounding invoice is rounding up. We hear that all the time, right? And in some cases, they accept and then don't show up at all. How, how do you manage that? So that's a good question, uh, Trey, as far as um, how do I prove that somebody's there. But before I answer it, I wanted to also just um, – you've reminded me of something. And, and in the beginning, I said, you know, historically, SLAs are about, you know, showing up and fixing things. And really, where best practices has got to gotten to and with our customers and our vendors is setting up, you know, four, five, six, even ten KPIs and managing the relationship around those KPIs. And what I mean by that is that can be, you know, how many times do I fix thing in, you know, in the same day? How many times uh, do I fix it on the first trip? How many times, you know, what's my what's my trend as far as uh, costs? Is it is it trending up? Is it trending down? You know, those types of things is what I'm seeing as far as uh, you know people really, you know, uh, having good. Um, relationships and structures and conversations with their vendors. But back to your question about how do I know when somebody is there, um, uh, we use a, a technology called geofencing. And what geofencing is, is so every location, every facility has a lat long location. We then set up, um, you know, 100 yards, 200 yards, something like that. It's a, it's a circle around that using geofencing uh, and GPS. And then when technicians um, arrive on site and start work or check in with stores or whatever the case may be, we know exactly where they are using the location services on their phone. And we can prove, you know, pretty much exactly uh, when they were there, when they left, uh, and so forth. So that's interesting, Jim. Do you guys charge for that? Because if I'm a contractor, I'm not sure I want to pay somebody to monitor me while I'm in the field. So we certainly don't um, charge for that. We don't charge the vendors anything actually to use our system, uh, and never have. <clears throat> um, so no, it's it's a 
it is a um, it's a change. Certainly, it was years ago when we introduced the concept because what it what results um, from geofencing and you know um, automatically taking time on site is it does change the dynamic with how vendors are charging uh, you know for the work they do based on the time they're actually there versus rounding and so on. A little bit of a different conversation perhaps, but it's all kind of wrapped up into that. You know, am I working with vendors that want to partner with me to deliver the best maintenance that I can to my facilities? Yeah, it's almost like a level of accountability, but also a level of commitment to making sure the partnership is successful. We do see some interesting use cases, though. As operators, we see that sometimes there can be multiple contractors on site. How do you manage some of those different uh, unique use cases, we'll call them? Sorry, Trey, I actually don't understand the question. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. From a geofencing perspective, mm-hmm. that seems easy to manage if one contractor is on site. Do we? Do you ever run into unique use cases where maybe there's multiple contractors on site? Uh, would it be handled the same way or Got a it. different way of approaching that? 100%. It's handled the same way. So each... Each uh, technician, you know, so the site has its its XY location, um, and and we we set it up accordingly. And then each work order or each technician on a work order is actually tracked uh, when they're whenever they're clocking an action is when. So we don't have a um, you know I'm monitoring you every every place right. It's when you interact with our system, we will take a snapshot of what your geolocation is. So again, it's typically showing up, checking in, starting a job, adding a part, checking out, closing a work order, all of those different times. For each work order, we're, we're clocking the, the, the XY coordinate or the geofence location. All right, so that could work for multiple individuals. That's helpful. Um, the other thing I see is, is obviously as facilities managers, we want to make sure the customer experience is good. So we want to make sure the store managers and, and others are really happy with the work that's being done. And that kind of goes a step further past a service level agreement. Do you guys do anything to just get feedback from our clients, the store managers, or the people in store? Absolutely. Um, So we've got a couple of different ways, um, three or four that come to mind. One is for each work order, a store is asked, um, you know, to to comment and to give a rating on kind of their level of satisfaction, um, you know, and and, uh, so, again, that's one. Another one is um, uh, where the, the system will Let's, let's call it alert, uh, you know, people when um, there's a account, like a, a planned preventative maintenance coming up, uh, if there's emergency service coming up, the system's proactively letting them know, um, you know, what's happening. Um, and, and that's always increased uh, the level of satisfaction. Uh, another thing that we have is uh, this capability for stores to interact. It's kind of like a like almost a mini site survey, right? So they they've got a capability uh, to talk about you know preparedness, for example. Um, you know you can as a central maintenance operation, you can send out uh, a survey to have them you know walk the floor, answer a few questions, do a general level of satisfaction. So there's a couple of different tools to allow stores to provide feedback into the system. Well, that sounds great because obviously we need our internal customers to be very happy. Last question for you, Jim. Uh, let's take the worst case scenario. We have a contractor that's constantly missing SLAs. Any guidance for our listeners on the best way to handle that situation? So I think I think uh, each situation is always unique, Trey. But uh, from my point of view, I'm I'm a little bit old school, right? And and when we have an agreement, um, 
you know, uh, I'm not asking you to be perfect, but I am asking you to um, understand that we have an agreement. And, um, and and what I mean by that is uh, where I've seen um, some of our bigger customers that have large vendor networks that, um, you know, and, and also, frankly, their locations are in uh, places where there's enough vendors to go around, if that makes sense. Um, what they do is they, you know, it's it's kind of a three strikes, um, you know, hey, you know, we've met that first quarter. I, I said you needed to meet your SLAs, you know, 87% of the time and you missed it, right? So that's, you're, you're on a warning, right? Second time that happens, you know, it's kind of your last warning. Third time it happens, you know, I'm really sorry, but we just can't do business together because, you know, again, to the point you made just a few minutes ago, most important thing for us is to probably stay on budget and make sure our internal customers are happy. Well, that's perfect, Jim. Thank you. Do you so you said you kind of support a grace period or a warning, but after that one warning, you pretty much play hardball. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, again, I um, I've seen people do uh, one one warning and you're out. I've seen other folks do two, right? Um, and and because it's basically, hey, here's our goal, here's our agreement. Um, you miss it, you're on a, let's call it a PIP, right? You're on a performance improvement plan, and then if you miss it again, that's your last warning. Next time you miss it, you're done. I've seen people do both. That is perfect. And, Jim, that's all I can ask. Thank you for making time to speak and share again with our listeners. Absolutely, Trey. I enjoy it. And to all those listening, we will continue the second in our series of Facilities Management Coffee Talks. Please continue to listen in.